Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Excuse me. Hello. Ooh. Hello. What did you think? You look like Lucy's stunt double. No, I'm a combination of Lucy and Ricky. And it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Sun Cinema Podcast, a weekly radio show that examines the highs and lows of the medium of film through the filtered lens of Washington, D.C.'s only privately owned art house cinema, Suns. I'm your host, Jason Cauley, and I'm joined by my co-host and the proprietor of Sun Cinema, Ryan Hunter-Mitchell. Ryan? Hey, Jason. We have no David again today. He's at, he's at the dentist. David's a you know, busy guy these past couple of weeks. Uh, we thought about doing another dental episode, which is <laughs> yeah. actually one of our, our better episodes ever, but uh, you know, everyone's done a dental movie podcast yeah, episode, uh, so we'll it's skip played it. out. Yeah, it's played out. Uh, but that was a that. What was that clip from? That was, ah, that was the Birdcage. Oh, the yeah. very original one of the one of the most original movies I've seen <laughs> in my lifetime. Yeah, we're gonna kind of get to that. Um, so that was a Hank uh, uh, Hank Azaria. Azaria. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, and Robin Williams, of course, the late great. Yeah. God. What what champs? Comic champs. Oh, uh, I mean, your, Hank Azaria in that whole movie is just like stealing every <laughs> yeah. scene he's in. The, I, I like that. Like, oh, I don't wear shoes. They make me fall down. <laughs> and then he has to wear the shoes. <laughs> yeah, and then he so can't. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you see anything this weekend? I saw a bunch of stuff this weekend, and kind of, uh, you know. Ryan and I were texting back and forth over the weekend about, you know, what we were talking about and um, kind of zeroed focus in on some. Well, well, I looked up the movie news. Right. So <laughs> I'll, I'll say real quickly, I, I, here's what I kind of watched over the weekend that might have some relevance to what we're talking about. I watched High and Low uh, oh, by yeah. Kurosawa. Folks, if you have not seen this yeah. movie, and don't be into it's like this is the thing that intimidated me. It's I'm embarrassed to say, but I, I'll say it. Like it's two hours and twenty three minutes or mm-hmm. something like that, and I was literally like, oh, I love Kurosawa. It's a Japanese film. It's two hours and twenty three minutes. It looks like it's like this confined space. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's brilliant. I've read about it. I've heard about it. It's just one of those blind spots. For some reason, I hadn't seen it. And so uh, I just decided this weekend, I'm like, you know what? I'm watching this. I'm going to give it a half an hour. We'll see how we, sure. see how we feel. Holy crap. Well, yeah, it's like an exciting. <laughs> it's not an epic. It's oh, not my so... God. This is like two movies. Like the first half is one thing, and then it turns into easily. Like my wife's sitting beside me, and she's like, this could be made today. Like yeah. right now with no changes. And it would be just as gripping like the police work that they do in the second half oh, of the movie. Yeah. It's so compelling and so well done, of course. Um, uh, that's mid mid fifties, right? Yeah, like uh, or no, like sixty three. Okay, yes, say. it's a bit. Yeah, but anyways, it's after his. Like, it's not one of his early right, pre samurai right. noirs. Yeah, like, but my god, what a masterpiece! And um, that kind of started me thinking about something. And then I watched a movie called The Hustle. Sounds great. 
which if you haven't seen it, is about two female con artists living in the French Riviera. If this sounds familiar, it's because it should. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, kind of the female flip. And we've done this conversation a little bit before, talking about like Ocean 7 and uh-huh. uh, Ghostbusters and things like that, where they've just sure. done the female version of the remake. Mm-hmm. This uh, movie, this is Anne Hathaway, Rebel Wilson. Yeah, two really super talented people, obviously. Um, and you think, wow, those two in a combo. I know this thing got destroyed, but maybe it's just super polarizing. And if I'm coming at it not expecting anything, maybe it'll be an hour and a half of something I sure. can tolerate. Because I wanted a comedy. Yeah, maybe it'll uh, be uh, um, Just Friends. Yeah, you know? something. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God, it was unwatchable. Like the last half hour... You know, we were just kind of milling around the house while it was playing, uh-huh. like on our computer. Might as well let it finish. An email. Yeah, because it, it was. It was like, <laughs> eh, I'll let it play out. But Jesus, this is awful. Um, so don't waste your time, folks. Go watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and, and you know, bask in the glory of Michael Caine and yeah, Steve exactly. Martin, like bringing it uh, full force. So anyway, that was awful. And... That yeah. well, led you then, to a, uh, an article you, you had read this well, weekend, I, right? It wasn't even like an article. I just kind of looked up like movie news, and sometimes I'll check out Screen Rant or right. whatever, see what's going on with the movies. Uh, not that there's like a lot I've been super excited about, but there's a few things on the horizon yeah, that are getting I, some buzz. We'll talk about the fall thing maybe in a couple of weeks, but there are some things coming out that could make the end of this year pretty strong. Yeah, and I actually haven't been unhappy with it. the year so far. It's had right. a couple of good movies. Uh, and, and last, we've been hearing a lot about the Joker got the Golden Lion right. at Venice, uh, you know, which actually fits today just well. But then when I was looking at the, here's the headlines on Screen Rant. Uh, what Tom Holland's Black Venom symbiote Spider-Man suit could look like. I don't even, I'm not going to click on it, but it sounds like the current existence of Spider-Man and they're already going to reboot Venom, which just came out last year with... Tom Hardy. Right. Uh, next one, hey, Spider-Man says something about the Hulk. Okay, Christian Bale thinks Robert Pattinson will be an interesting Batman, uh, which I guess was supposed to be icy, like interesting casting choice. Right. But okay, we got a previous Batman talking about Batman. And Face-Off then. reboot being developed by 22 Jump Street writer. Um, Face-Off, I love, <laughs> I love Face-Off. Oh, yeah, no, it's an absolute kind of pleasure of like the mid 90s and like those two guys too. it's surprisingly like, great i think it still holds up nick cage yeah. and, and uh and uh John Dan, danny zuko yeah <laughs> and then uh pierce brosnan former 007 thinks it's time for a female bond uh you know bonds are gonna keep on this always good but happen. there's a theme running through this conversation yeah stuff. and then finally you get something chris evans talks about uh tony collette uh, so finally, we start talking about some new material. This, this is a headline about Knives Out. And then you continue on, and it's about Kylo Ren, a Tank Girl reboot. Uh, oh, right. I fat. heard Margot uh, Robbie is like buying yep. that material. Yep. It Chapter 2. Uh, okay, so everything on here, you get about like f- six headlines down before we're talking about an or- some original content right. of a new feature. I know this gets everyone has always probably complained about uh, reboots and remakes, but it seems to be like such a large part of what makes it the theaters now that we'll, 
we're going to do an episode on remakes and reboots. Yeah, but I think you'll, like, if everybody, and I'm a little exhausted when I get, you know, I do the same thing. And when you get online and it's like those first eight headlines are just remakes or reboots, it gets mm-hmm. a little exhausting. Um, but I think there's a few things if you guys hang around and hang out with us, you know, for the next 45 minutes or so, um, you'll, you might learn a couple of things. I certainly did just kind of researching this over the weekend yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you know, digging some stuff up. But Anyway, we're we'll, we're going to talk about it a little bit and um, kind of I don't know examine what that really means. I mean, there's when we talk about like reboot and remake, you know. Um, yeah, well, let's first. What do we mean there? What do we mean by reboot yeah. and remake? Because well, I, I think it's it breaks down like this, and I, I'll just I you know put this up here. But uh, remakes must begin with the story, the same story as the previous film though they often hew closer to their written source material than in, and that inspired the original, uh, as was the case with like the Coen Brothers' True Grit. They went back to the source material. Sure. Didn't really look at the 69 film uh, with John Wayne. Kind of put that aside and, and just went to the source yeah. material. Or Casino Royale went kind of more towards source material exactly. while they rebooted a bond. Yeah, okay. they went to the Ian Fleming source and, and went from there. Um, a reboot doesn't need to begin with the same story as the original film, but it takes place in what is essentially the same universe of the same world, often with the same characters and similar themes. Um, Ocean Date would have been this, right? For sure. Kind of in the same world. Absolutely. Um, For this, you know, uh, episode, we're not talking about like reinterpretations, i.e. and you brought these up like, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Being like a play on the Odyssey. Or Lebowski being the big sleep. Right. Uh, Or Star Wars being, you know, heavily, heavily influenced by Hidden Fortress and Fast and Furious by Point Break. Sure. And these go on and on. And these are... Oh, yeah. This is endless. This could be a a fun episode, actually. For sure. Um, and I think one of the things to note about what those are is like these inspired by features. They either use like storytelling techniques uh, or character arcs, nonlinear editing, if that's like a thing, you know, like Rashomon. Right. A lot of people read on Rashomon with the different points of view, or like you said, Hidden Fortress, yeah. inspiring Star Wars, just with the points of view of where you're watching the movie from. Yeah. Other than that, you know, it, there's it kind some of takes things. off on its own thing, but yeah, it, it got its roots somehow, you know. From the source material, yeah, exactly. whatever it is. Um, um, yeah, but they're not exactly a remake. You, you can see the inspiration, but they might end up being the totally original. Thing. Kind of every Tarantino film ever. You know, like sure. some, some version exactly. of this is like a takeoff on, um, you know, even like his Inglorious Bastards. Totally. Was a, there was an Inglorious Bastards before that. For you know? sure. And, and the, you know, homage is a thing. We understand that. You know, this is slippery slope. You could talk about all movies being inspired by other movies. For sure. But we're going to try to hone in, in a bit more specifically about reboots and remakes. Right. Um, so, I guess, uh, let's go through, like, the history yeah, of, so of I, this. Like, who, who's made re- reboots? Who, this is something weird I found. Like, where did they start? Yeah, so that's kind of where I started was, all right, well, let's start at the beginning. What was the first film to get a, a reboot or a remake? And it's essentially... You know, like you said, I mean, we could, you could expand this and say, oh, this is, but directly, this happened in 1903, the film The Great Train Robbery, uh, uh, the Edward Porter, S. Porter yeah. yeah, like one of the first real movie movies, beginning, middle, and end, and kind of was the basis for how cinema started uh, telling stories. That was 1903, kids. 1904, a guy named Sigmund Lubin remade the film. 
nearly scene for scene and under the same title even. It's called uh. The Great Train Robbery. And he was just, all he did, see if this sounds, if this resonates <laughs> yeah, with right. modern uh, filmmaking. All he did was amped up the action and improve some of the production design. <laughs> and this technique. Yeah. It was like, he's just like, I'm just going to remake this straight up. People are going to come because the name's the name. And you were allowed to do this then? Nothing was in place at that time. So okay. what this prompted were all like the copyright laws on films. And okay. how, oh, if you're going to remake a film, everybody from the original film is always, are all getting uh-huh. paid. The studios own this material outright. And, you know, you can't just remake yeah. Taxi Driver shot for shot with somebody else because you think people are going to come into your movie. Listen, Vanilla Ice, you can't just sample Queen <laughs> right. and David Bowie. Exactly. And make millions of dollars. So that's what prompted this, you know, into action, this kind of copyright and, and what it what it means to actually remake or reboot a film kind of all started in, in 1904. Yeah. So this has been around for a minute. And since then, it's stayed a pretty steady form of filmmaking. Like yeah. everyone, all, all the greats have done it. All the um, greats have really done it. I mean, that's the thing. Like you stop and start looking at this and it's like, oh yeah, Scorsese did it. The Coens did it. Like, for sure. Coens did it a couple times. Yeah, um, a lot. Um, so yeah, what, uh, what's before, we're probably going to start being rude to movies in general soon. But like, what are some of the good popular ones? What are ones that are maybe... Things that we didn't even know there was a remake of. Yeah, but. could uh, could we play that second clip? I think there might be a, a surprise there. Ooh. So you're telling me. That The Wizard of Oz is a remake. I'm telling you, The Wizard of Oz is absolutely a remake. Um, not even... Well, so when, when's the original? I mean, this is for certain the only one I'm familiar with. Is. Yeah, the Victor Fleming. Of course, Sidney Lumet made The Wiz in 1978, but there was That's an the original... With. Yeah, there was a, an original, The Wizard of Oz, uh, directed by a gentleman named uh, Larry Seaman, uh, 1925... So same source material, all that. Uh, Victor Fleming just remade it in 1939 and became, you know, one of the most popular films yeah, of, of all, all time. Of all time. Yeah. Um, so it was a remake. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like that's well, the thing. If you look this up, folks, you'll you're gonna get shocked how many things. For sure. And like the Magnif- or uh, what? Maltese Falcon is a big one. Like I've, yeah, right. I'm only familiar with the Houston one. But I know it had been made a couple times before. It this. had, yeah, it had been made twice before already. Before Houston got them, uh, Houston was a big Dashiell Hammett fan, shocker, and um, you know he had seen the other two films and were like, "Those are garbage." Sure, I it, can make a good version of this, and like convinced, I guess he was at Warner's maybe then at the time mm-hmm. um, to you know let him remake it. They had a brand new star in Humphrey Bogart um, to to kind of take over the Sam Spade role and it worked out really well sure. for everyone. And, and I feel like with the Dashiell Hammett with the story of Maltese Falcon, it's a hit book. Right. Studios are just like, oh, let's pump this out. Yeah. And maybe it didn't get given the attention that Houston thought it deserved. Or the, yeah, the talent maybe wasn't associated mm-hmm. with it as directly. I mean, you, Houston's an amazing writer. He was able to get an amazing cast with Peter Laurie and Sidney Greenstreet. You know, all these people that became staples 
um, for the next decade. Yeah, and then we also have, so Magnificent Seven, a lot of people know this one, it's a more obvious one. It's kind of pretty much a remake of now, Seven Samurai. you should stop and Ooh. ask, are we talking about the 60s version with Yul Brynner and what became Sydney, or Steve McQueen's The Bronson, of, the Charles Bronson. Uh, yeah, maybe. and Charles Bronson, amazing. <laughs> um, a lot of great performances. No, I meant that. the uh, Denzel one from... That's what I'm talking about. Like, so that was two years ago. That thing happened. Yeah, I know? didn't see it. And I bet it's pretty good. I bet it's fine. I sat through... A, I came in, a friend of mine was watching it, and he was not enjoying it. And I sat through about 20 or 30 minutes of it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty awful. Um, it, it was pretty universally panned. Okay. I don't know how much money it made or, or how it did. I'm sure it made okay money or something. But... Um, yeah, these are all based on, however, Kurosawa, yeah. again, Seven Samurai. Well, there's one thing that, that needs to be asked when you're watching, and even at, say that one was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be, why aren't I just watching yeah. the one that I know is good? Yeah, and exactly. hopefully this is something that directors, producers take in mind, but I'm not sure that it, <laughs> that it is. Uh, so, so what are some other big ones that we all know? Uh, there were, you know... Ben Hur, um, I know. Yeah, I see. Maybe, I did not know that one actually. Yeah, yeah. Ben Hur was a, a big one that um, was kind of mildly controversial. Uh, I would say when it when it happened, that people, um, you know, were pretty happy with the original uh, 1925 version of, of Ben Hur. It was like the, you know, they did the Roman epic, chariot yeah. race, yeah, and they did like a, it was this big epic, and people were wowed by it. And then, you know, William Wyler does it in 1959 with Charlton Heston. And it, I don't know, it won, you know, Everything. so many Oscars. Yeah. Like, you know, 11 Oscars or some craziness. Um, and, and was a big, huge hit. Uh, and there's a handful of movies, you know, that kind of qualify for that. I think Birdcage that we sure, were listening yeah, to. Sure, yeah, of course. Um, re- remake of the, what are the French, La Cage aux Faux or something. Right. Uh, Fistful of Dollars, which I don't actually know if, was Fistful of Dollars a huge hit or did it just get some recognition as some, some big stars? Like these are some future stars. We got Eastwood <sighs> and Sergio Leone making. I think it, it wasn't that it was a huge, it started, it started putting Eastwood on the map as a movie star. Mm-hmm. It was made extremely cheaply. So it, for sure, you know, it, once it got to America, like it was you know, day two, it's making money kind of thing because mm-hmm. it was made so cheaply and allowed for the trilogy to happen and, and all of that. So I would say it was a huge success. Oh, it um, definitely success on the, on, sure. on cinema. Right. Know. Also Kurosawa. Yeah. Well, so real quick side. So we should just get this out of the way. Kurosawa, one of the best, <laughs> right. probably in maybe my the opinion, most original filmmaker of all time. Yeah. And in my opinion, like probably the best. I mean, he's, 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 he's certainly on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But the thing, he just started making stories that were complex with really thought out characters. Yeah. In, in, intensely, uh, you know, articulate storytelling about complex uh, ideas, complex storytelling, complex emotions. And he, was, he found ways to like, channel these into pretty watchable, right. very entertaining, exciting movies. Well, he had the mythology of the samurai, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of use as a jumping off point to help tell these bigger sure. stories, you know, uh, which is a perfect place to do it because there's all this mythology behind oh, sure. samurais and, and people love that anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he basically spent his entire career uh, giving people material to make yeah. their movie. Uh, uh, the we, we are not version. done. We are not done redoing Kurosawa movies. No, sorry about the siren. Uh, 
Yeah, but we'll not talk about it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is going to keep on happening. You know, I'm, not to be mad at this, we're going to get probably some of the best mu- movies of the next 20 years are going to be rehashing some. Right, and some of those, like you said, you know, we've talked about before, like you didn't even realize, oh, I didn't realize that was kind of a, a remake, um, mm-hmm. like Star Wars. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is like, it's not quite a remake, but it is about a princess and it is following the two droids of that story. Right. You're basically using them as your point of view. Watch Hidden Fortress and tell me you don't see some similarities yeah. <laughs> between it and Star Wars, you know. Um, uh, and Lucas has been, to his credit, like very upfront and saying, yeah, like, hey, this has this. been a huge uh, inspiration for Star Wars. It was the jumping off point um, for telling the Star Wars story um, in the fashion that he told it. And, you know, I mean, there's all of the, like, Fast and Furious is really... I mean, you're trading surfboards for cars, but it is yeah, point break. Yeah, I mean, you, you can, can just beat by beat in the script. It is 100% point break. Uh, you put Cape Fear on here? Yeah, yeah, Cape Fear, which, again, like, you know, the original had two heavy hitters in it with uh, Mitchum and, and Gregory Peck. Uh, of course, Nolte and, and De Niro famously redid it with Scorsese in 91. Um, and you know, 12 monkeys was actually Chris Marker's the Jetty. Yeah. Which what? is like a, what a 30 minute short or That's something a, like a, that. Um, that is, this one really does like teeter on the line. Like, is this just an inspiration or is it a remake? Cause it almost, it, boy, there's a lot of character traits that are the same between the two. Oh, leads. I mean, and They're, the setting of the, Basically, Legetti, if you've seen 12 Monkeys... The ending is almost exactly the Legetti same. Legetti is just the airport scene of this, but right. it's on the brink of... They have it World War Three instead of some bio right. mistake that happens in 12 Monkeys, but it's basically humanity is about to get wiped out and have to go underground from the scene of this child at an airport. And right. it is like questioning time, and it has all the things there. And then what... Gilliam extrapolates from it and puts together with Bruce Willis. Right. It was one of my favorite sci-fi movies, definitely, of the last 30 years. And was a huge success. And a huge success. Um, So that is, like, a really good creative reinterpretation. I understood why a filmmaker would want to, like, take those themes and turn it into something more and and examine it for a bit longer with some new effects. For sure. And also... The filmmaking of Chris Markers is literally just still photographs that are being filmed with a right, camera. Right, right. So sometimes there's a slow zoom on photograph, but it's a really interesting filmmaking. Yeah. Which is completely different than the filmmaking of Twelve Monkeys. However, it's still a. It's pretty much a remake. Yeah. And uh, then I mean, there's also kind of these popular reboots, and then there's there's a, a category of of. Kind of a, I think you called it like good, but why? Yeah, like why did you know, why did you even remake? Why it? did we need to do? And and the timelines between the remakes on these get very close too. In some cases, like mm-hmm. uh, I think we have Insomnia on here, um, which is only I think a couple of years after the original Insomnia comes out. Oh, it's yeah, it's with within a few years. Yeah, the, uh, the, go ahead. Sorry. And that one is like okay, but really, like why? Why do you think that it was that they? that Christopher Nolan remade the great Swedish movie. Right. And is that, I mean, I guess my question becomes, and I don't know, I'm asking the listeners as much as, as you or, or myself mm-hmm. is, is America just like incapable in some instances or in most instances of not accepting a foreign film as it stands, that it has to be remade mm-hmm. with in the English language Sure. of, you know, I mean, 
most Americans don't speak a lot of other languages. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This um, is true. Uh, most of Europe and Asia speak several languages. Um, and so... Well, let's put, pick three recent ones. So Insomnia, I would say Departed with Infernal Affairs. And, and then let's say uh, Old Boy, Spike Lee remade Old oh, Boy. Oh, for sure. And in yeah, a yeah. pretty recent time. So with, with most of these, my if, if I were answering why they were made, probably the directors like the source material and would like to see Americans uh, see this. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't maybe get enough attention. Maybe it got a cult following or a video following. I wonder about that, truly. I, I'm not... I'm not. Uh, oh, I'm not fully convinced on that. I have a, right. I have a second theory. Yeah, well, go ahead because it's probably more in line with what I'm. So, with, with Departed, now. I think that maybe was it, but also I think it is. So, with each of those examples, the Departed being from Infernal Affairs, from which Infernal was made Affairs. like two or three years before Departed, which out. is awfully. I mean, it's almost scene for scene. It is, and it's much. an incredible movie. Both are very good, uh, but with Insomnia, with Departed, and with Old Boy, I also feel like at each for these directors for different reasons they had to put some output and they'd mm-hmm. been recently inspired by something so instead of just taking inspiration trying to develop something that might take you 10 years uh, with Christopher Nolan he just had a, a pretty smash hit with Memento and he had to put something out Right. here's a movie that a lot of people didn't see Insomnia but it's already modern it's already easy to tell a good story you just get a good actor like Pacino right. and Robin Williams and you have a pretty okay movie Yeah, like, it, it's, it's pretty good so I think with Christopher Nolan, he's just like, I got to put something out. I'm real hot right now. Studios, producers probably wanted him to put something out. Scorsese, maybe a similar thing, but just at a different stage in his career. He hasn't put out a big hit for a while. Yeah, uh, I always wonder what the kind of thought process and the politics are of that. Does he say yes to that so he can make this? Mm-hmm. Does it, you know, is that kind you of, know, is I'm, it driven by the studio or is it driven by the filmmaker going, I'm interested in the source material. I'd like to convert it. I, I feel like maybe it's a bit of both. Also, with someone like Scorsese, he's, I feel like he's like, oh, I've got, you know, he likes his muses. He mm-hmm. likes his actors. Of course. And I think with him, he's, it's just like Infernal Affairs, like, you know, this probably didn't get the love it deserved. Also, I bet I could have some fun with Leo in this. I bet I could have some fun with. Yeah, Baldwin, like Baldwin Wahlberg, and all these guys. And it, the, act, the performance of this really do make the movie really good. And maybe oh, Baldwin's make it so much fun in that movie. Oh, of course. Yeah. And it makes it maybe a little easier to. For instance, I was more connected with it because it is in English. It is. I understand these Boston tropes. I'm pretty familiar with them. And so, I think there's something to be said. I'll just jump in with this, but the the idea of like something like Departed and even Insomnia, where. Um, it's kind of an investigation. There's mm-hmm. moving pieces of this. This is going to sound awful, so I apologize. And I just spoke so highly of high and low, so that it doesn't really mm-hmm. validate this argument. But I do think there is a thought process of this is easier um, to digest in English. If I'm making the you know, for sure because the ins and outs and the plot twists and everything in Insomnia and Infernal Affairs may not be as easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're an English speaker only. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and or just more that. people aren't even going to give it a chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not going to go for it. Um, um, and then Old Boy. Boy. You know, that that one kind of already had been seen by the people who were going to see I, it. Yeah, I started but, to say, I felt like Old Boy was pretty well known uh, out there, mm-hmm. in those, at least in the cinema circles. Yeah. 
Um, but also, I think that's a point, uh, maybe a point in Spike Lee's career where the thing is the projects he's working on. Maybe he just isn't getting anywhere with them, and he wants to make something. Yeah. And all right, th- it so worked th- with Inside Man. I mean, not a remake, but like this sure. is something that was like not a typical Spike Lee joint, uh-huh. but was widely accepted, oh, critically acclaimed, very cap- you know. capable of changing genres. Maybe yeah. take something really psychopathic, like Old Boy, and right? remake it but also maybe just your other projects are stalled and studios will take remakes they right. love it that'll get greenlit yeah um and, now let's and talk you gotta get paid and then let's go back to some of the ones that are like better than originals or the ones that you thought are yeah. the ones like like gaslight you know famous where we get the term gaslighting is actually sure. like a, a british movie from two years before but the remake is just better you just yeah, made it yeah. a bit better maybe it didn't get seen how about oceans 11 i i much prefer uh, i think Soderbergh's. every if everybody's being honest there's you know i absolutely adore frank sinatra mm-hmm. and that whole crew but this is a better movie oh, <laughs> like yeah. light years better oh, yeah I, I really like the oceans 11 for a pop movie it's one of the better ones in a oh time. for sure uh, body Snatchers, Invasion of Body Snatchers. Yeah, the 78 version. So uh, good. I mean, a lot of people like that in the, the original. I have no qualms with it, but the 78 version, Sutherland is just it's like, great. on fire. He's yeah. amazing. Here's an interesting one. Go ahead. Uh, which one? Oh, uh, the next one. Oh, Thomas Crown? Yeah. Thomas Crown for it. I, I'm with you. Pierce Brosnan. I mean, who would have <laughs> thought? That's his a, best movie. A, yeah, it is. I mean, like, who would have thought a Pierce Brosnan, Rene Russo versus Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway yeah. is going to be paper. the better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no way that anybody looks at this and goes, yeah, this will be better. But I, and I'm a huge fan of both. Norman Jewison, great director. Um, but if you're being honest and you watch both of those side by side, I don't care how big a McQueen fan you are. The second one with Brosnan is better. It's, <laughs> it's good. probably better. It's great pacing, great suspense. Uh, you know, aside from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, probably his best movie. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think I'm serious on that. Uh, uh, oh, this one I didn't know. This, Solaris. Yeah. So okay, like uh, I did not know this. Back to Soderbergh, Solaris remake. Well, yeah, yeah, his but remake. I mean, like, so this is like one of those weird things, right? Where it's it's kind of a star is born. Like, which version of this are we talking about? When Most did... people think Tarkovsky, the 1971 film, which is one of the creepiest and coolest and awesome movies ever made. Yeah. Um, was the original? It actually wasn't. There was a 1968 version of this story told. So it gets a little, you could argue, I guess it's not a film, but it was a two part TV movie. Um, and apparently, like Tarkovsky saw it and was like, oh man, the fun I could have with yeah. this, you know, and went and did it, and it was what it was. And then, of course, Clooney and Soderbergh tried to redo this in whatever, 2000 something, and was just miserable. Uh, talk about a hard movie. Yeah, I watch. didn't finish and it. I did start with it, people though. I love, like mm-hmm. people that are, you know, whether you like them or not, like movie stars and an insanely capable director. Sure. And it's just awful. Um, um, I put down The Fly. Yeah. I, I prefer the uh, 86 Cronenberg one, and the first one's great. Goldblum. Yeah, and The Thing is a great example as well. I mean, it's uh, taken from the Howard Hawks film mm-hmm. previous. I think we've talked about it on the, on the show as well. But, uh, gosh, the 1982 version of The Thing, not the most recent version, which has been remade yeah, yeah, since yeah. then. Which is fine. Fine. I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll it was fine. I okay. watched it. Whatever. But again, fine. But why? Right. Not even good. But why? Just fine. But why? Sure. And now, then 
Let's just get to the bad stuff. Let's get into what we're dealing with. By the way, if you disagree with this, I think Ryan's going to post something on, uh, if you got follow Sun Cinema on Twitter, uh, and I think we're just at Sun Cinema, right? Yep, at Sun Cinema. He's going to post Twitter, the link to, the, to this show, but then if you've got some arguments to make, hit us up uh, right there because yeah. we're about to destroy some things you might love. Yeah, and we're you know what we're gonna make a new portal so you guys can stop emailing the reservations at the Line Hotel <laughs> right. because they they They're rarely getting. forward them to us. They love yeah. them. They love your input, but uh, they <laughs> they are not are sure where it's coming from. Yeah, they do not know what you mean. Uh, so Spider Man, there's a bunch of them. Some are good, some are bad, but right. they've all happened within Gosh, the, last, the last ten or twelve years. Right? Like, uh, within the last twenty, they've all happened, but okay. it's a it's a lot. Um, it's too much. And they Nobody keep on, can even keep track. It, it's a joke within the movies now that they keep on showing. Like in, in the, the probably the best one made, which was the animated one. They keep right. on referencing. Okay, you've heard this before. It was bit by a spider. Blah blah blah. Right. Uh, so yeah, we're sick of those. They're bad. They're reboots. They're remakes. They're they're gone. Yeah, it's just exhausting. Uh, gone in sixty seconds. Hey, yeah. I, listen, I've not I, seen the original. The the remake is. It's fun enough in my mind. I mean, it's still kind it's of fine. Cage is kind of, you know, at, at the crest of his movie stardom, I guess. Um, but the original, man, it's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, like the original is like a totally independent production. Um, but like you're seeing like these car chases and, mm-hmm. and they are really like, you know, most car chases are done at like 30, 40 miles an hour. These guys are doing like 90, 100 yeah. miles an hour in Los Angeles, like all over the place. It's amazing. Nice. Definitely go check it out. Well, that brings us to Italian Job, another good car. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you've seen oh. the opening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, you'll really love the opening of the Italian of Job. The Italian Job, yep. Which is probably at least inspiration we'll say for sure for tarantino uh doing that but that opening alone it is great yeah the first like the credit sequence and the first five minutes of the italian job 100 percent worth your time no matter what and the rest of the film's fun too but like yeah. that opening's killer and the mark Wahlberg one just skip it yeah, yeah uh the mummy you know whatever they're they keep on re- reading yeah these. werewolf dracula all yeah. these you know kind of classic uh, uh universal monster movies the out uh, of town out of towners oh the out of towners so the out of towners is one of my favorite movies from the 70s jack lemon uh and sandy dennis uh about this couple from ohio he's going to interview for a big vp job in new york and it's new york in 1971 so it's rough mm-hmm. you know and the, there's like a garbage strike and all these things sure, like sure. just everything that could be happening to these people uh from the flight uh-huh. to the next morning happens to them. They remade this recently, and I think it like made money, I mean, recently right, in the right. last 15 years, with um, Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn, ah. and it's awful. Well, I'm going to skip that pretty easily. But see the, see the 1971 Jack Lemmon version. You won't be disappointed. The out-of-towners, I promise. Uh, okay, we got The Omen, The Preacher's Wife, Psycho. There's Psycho, a... shot for shot. Yeah, yeah. Gus Van Zandt did not work. Uh, Red Dragon. One is of a- the one of my most hated things, and I'll I'll take anybody to task on this because Manhunter is one of the best is ones. one of the greatest police procedural, um, you know, psychological psychological thrillers of all time. It's it's Absolutely. the perfect, you know, predecessor to Silence of the Lambs. Those mm-hmm. two, you know, together just make up like a great storyline. And Red Dragon just tried to basically remake Manhunter. 
with um, with a really good cast and the movie really awful. huge people and yeah it is almost unwatchable in my opinion it's I got hate Fines, that it's got Edward Norton it's yeah got Philip Seymour Hoffman like all these great people but it's bad uh, you put Straw Dogs Straw Dogs if you haven't seen the original uh, Straw Dogs if you maybe even missed the second one that came out they did a big remake and it was awful uh, but the original Straw Dogs while kind of a hard film to watch and claustrophobic and all those things is a great film by Sam Peckinpah, uh, if you get a chance to see it. Another one of my favorite movies from the 70s, The Taking of Pelham 123, was remade with Denzel and John Travolta. And it's... Uh... Oh, it's brutal. But the original with Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw, absolutely fantastic. Um, Total Recall. You know what? I didn't see this, but there is a fan base for the... For the, for the, re- fi- the feral? For, for the feral... You know, and I'm not I'm not taking their side because I've oh, not seen no. it. But apparently, there is a fan base for the for the Colin Farrell Total Recall. I wonder if it was like more true to source material, or so if it had something to do with that. Because the first one's so much fun. Well, now we're gonna kind of knock some director for big fans of True Grit. I'm with you. Yeah, it's not just, really that good. It's not great. I don't know. I mean, we were talking about this. Like the Cohen brothers supposedly have literally like more than two dozen scripts that they've written (laughs) that they've yet to make. And for some reason, like they were inspired by this true grit went to the source material, did it very, you know, uh, by the book, no pun intended. Um, and I just don't love it. Yeah. And it's again, filled with great people. The Coens are masters at what they do, Yeah, but they also made, and then the lady killers, which I, Again, I do not like their version oh of my gosh, Tom I Hanks. Stand it. A thanks vehicle. Yeah, and I mean that's it. Again, you're looking at the cast and you're like, Cohen Brothers, Tom Hanks, this is gonna be amazing. Awful. Yeah. Uh Planet of the Apes. And then Planet of the Apes, which gets like okay, so I don't um that first one is bad, that Mark Wahlberg. Uh, that's the one I'm specifically talking about. Um, since then, they've made an okay universe out of it. Well, I think technology too has like allowed for that. Right, with all the CGI sure. and everything, where you couldn't do that in '68 with Charlton Heston and all sure. the other people. Okay. When it was, I mean, there were lunchboxes, there were posters, oh, yeah, yeah. everything. Uh, Planet of the Apes was massive, and it's still so much fun to go back and watch the original. The new ones, I'm not going to argue with, uh, neither here nor there, but do not watch the 2001 yeah. version with Tim Roth and Mark Wahlberg. Well, it's and, awful. And this is one of those things where you're... It's oh, like Tim Burton, too. Yeah, it it's is. It's unfortunate. And it's like, you're probably remaking this because you can think of some visual technology that can maybe make this better, but they're totally losing sight of what makes the old one good. Right, which there's is, no heart like, in this. It's a thoughtful yeah. reveal. It's a good... Like societal, that's well, a great sci-fi critique. in the sense that yeah. yeah, that's what it's doing. It's making this critique on society, and and it was relevant then, and just kind of loses all of that in the two thousand one version. But so so there's all these remakes, and I, I I kind of propose like why do these get made? And I, and I'd like to think that like there's a true inspiration from a producer, a director, and maybe this is true in the past. Maybe it's still true. Maybe well, it wasn't. I mean, I read again. I, I'll. We can, I could do a whole show on him, but like the John Huston autobiography, like that was true inspiration. Like mm-hmm. he loved the book. He thought the two versions that existed were awful. And hey, I can do this and, you know, kind of pitched it to, you know, Warner Brothers or whoever. And like, I can make this. Yeah. Trust yeah. me, you know. And then the other thing I'll give is kind of these remaking of, of, uh, of foreign movies. Okay, maybe then it reached the audience they could reach in the US, but they really like the themes and maybe right. they'd like to take a crack at it. 
okay. Like, sure. and, and these are, are reasonable reasons that these things are made, and I'm imagining they happen a lot. But I do think in most cases now, and probably in the past, but certainly now, it's obviously money. It's, it's basically sure. already written. And this time, they can test the waters for either a series or a universe, which has increasingly become like what the studios want. They want to either like right. please have this spin off into a whole world so we can make yep. a bunch of movies, or at least give us a few sequels. Um, and maybe even if the last one was a hit, maybe they didn't capitalize on that. Why waste a chance now? Right. And there are times when this has worked pretty well. I mean, uh-huh. so you had like, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the first series of Rocky films, right? And then, sure. like, we get into, like, Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa, all these kinds of weird, like, little world. And then somebody had the brilliant idea of going, you know what? Let's talk about Creed. Creed. Yeah. Creed has a son. He grows up. Rocky's the, you know, it's like, and the first oh, Creed that's really smart. It's great. Yeah. You know, but, but, yeah, it's a reboot. It's in the same world. But... Well right. done, thoughtful. And able to spin off into, you know, now Creed 2 and probably, I'm sure, Creed 3 and 4 will come as well. Sure. So we got, since 1903, we've been complaining, or since 1904, we've been complaining about remakes. So it's not like a new thing. And maybe it's not brand new, but it is exponentially increasing. Uh, this is an article from 2014 in Mashable, but here's, some, some, here's an interesting data fact. According to data blog, the droid you're looking for, 122 remakes have been theatrically released between 2003 and 2012. The average critics score... Hold on, just take that in. 122 remakes in nine years, right? Yep. Okay. That, that's really... So, that's in nine years. The average critic score of all these films from Rotten Tomatoes, 46%. It's pretty, pretty shitty. Yep. Uh, whereas the original films had a median score of 78%. That's a good set of data. Like These were films that were like at least pretty well-liked. 78% on average. I mean, that's pretty solid Yeah. Um, by any measure. And then the remake's coming in at 46%. That's pretty low. That's below 50%. So the prestige is low, but the box office, it's overflowing. The total box office gross of all these remakes is $12 bucks. <laughs> so this you know, continues to go on and say, I mean, that's right there. I think about it. These movies used to be good. Now they're shitty, but guess what? They're making money. Okay, that's matter. the simplicity of it. But studios right. make back-to-back remakes for a laundry list of reasons, chief among them security and bankability. Movies that were past hits are easy financial wins for the future. There's also a guaranteed built-in audience and better chance for publicity when it comes to the familiar films. Anyways, it, just that they're increasingly becoming dependent on franchises right. now, and that's pretty much the studio model. And this has turned into like tons of movies. You got Point Break, Read on Red Dawn, Twenty Two Jump Street, Robocop, Dirty Dancing, Footloose, The Hustle, Ocean's Eight, a bunch of King Kong movies. I mean, those have been rebooted several times yep. in, in recent years. For sure, Planet of the Apes. Um, we have already talked yeah. about Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Suspiria is another one. Uh, Overboard. Overboard. And then you get into the. We're just barely like skimming the surface yeah. here, folks. Don't don't think we're like oh you didn't mention. We're not mentioning like 150 movies here. It's just that these are increasingly becoming the only movies that can get funding, which goes into a larger conversation we've been having, which is here's what happens when you take the heart out of movies. Right. And with all these things getting green green lit, there's less and less space already as it is for movies to get released. So with all these things getting green lit, it really means that the space for original material... Uh, modern, like real modern, not just modern tinkering with an old tale, but actually right. a new storytelling, new exploration, new kind of character dramas. There's just almost no room for it. And it, again, it's just getting marginalized. So maybe it'll work in TV. 
Right. But it's not going to happen in movies. And some of us find problems with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I for one, obviously find problems with it. I think there's, you know, I love the idea of cinema and, and the fact that, in my opinion, cinema is certainly the last hundred years been, to me, the most influential art form uh, on the planet. And it has never been under any pretense that it wasn't supported financially. Like that mm-hmm. is the, the marriage between art and commerce, right? Yep. That's, that was the whole idea of the studios. Let's get it's in movies, right? Yeah. Let's get these movies made. We're going to get super creative people. We're the bank. We hire super creative people, let them be super creative people. And we reap the benefits. Yep. Everybody wins the, you know, the audience is entertained. The players and directors and stage hand, or uh, you know um, crew get paid, and the studio makes a crap ton of money, and, and we're all happy. Um, now it seems, like you said, there's just so little space for Absolutely. creative voices to kind of break out. Um, they are happening in television. I'm not going to argue with that. We are in the second golden age of television. Sure, not even arguable. But. Where does that leave cinema in 2019 and going into 2020? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I really, it, it's worrisome. Ex- I'm, expect more of them. Expect more emoji movies. They're certainly not going to be um, any less. I mean, no, <laughs> it's only going to increase. So uh, just, I, I think this is a good closing note. There's a good interview with a filmmaker or movie maker mag with Jim Darmusch where he talks, you know, gives his rules for filmmaking. The first one is like, don't even listen to him, but here's some rules for himself. Right. One of the things is like, be wary of what producers want. Don't let them get into the movie making business. Let them be the bank. But rule number five, just to show like, yeah, we're, we're critiquing maybe that there's too many of these remakes being made. However, here's a good note. Uh, rule number five, nothing is original. Steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration and fulfills your imagination. Devour old films, new films, music, books, trees, clouds, bodies of water, light, and shadows. Select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul. If you do this, your work and theft will be authentic. Authenticity is invaluable. Originality is non-existent. And don't bother concealing your thievery. Celebrate it if you feel like it. In any case, always remember what Jean-Luc Godard said. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. Beautiful. All right. And uh, I think we're out. I think we're done. I think so, too. That's, right. that's it. If you, listen, if you've got anything you'd like to add, if you want to argue with us, at Sun Cinema, Twitter, bring it on. Yeah. Love write to, us. Love Bug to talk us. to you. Bother us all you want. Uh, And if you want, you can continue to write to the Lion Hotel. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're going to listen to Remake, Remodel by Roxy Music on the way out. Awesome. Love it.